It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Rex Chapman Show with Super Josh Hopkins, my guy, Mr. Josh Hopkins. Um, Josh, how are you, buddy? I'm good. How are things in Kentucky? Things are excellent in Kentucky. It's a beautiful weather here today. Um, and you know what? We've got a guest on today, and I know you know because you arranged it. Um, why don't you tell everybody who we have on the show today, please? Well, uh, it's the first person in the history of the world um, to be to stand on the top of the podium with a gold medal on winning an individual fencing event in the Olympics ever. Man, An American? Woman. Yeah, first, yes, but first American, yes, to do it ever in the history of everything. C- coming on our show. Yes. Lee Kiefer is joining us today. She's uh, raised in Kentucky, went to the same uh, grade school I did. She uh, is also in medical school at the University of Kentucky right now. My goodness. Uh, this is amazing. I can't wait to talk to her. Uh, and I'll add one other thing. Isn't wh- what about her husband, Josh? Anything about her husband? Uh, her husband is also a fencer and also in med school at the University of Kentucky. And he won a bronze medal this year uh, at the Olympics. That is, uh, that's crazy. I can't wait. I, I'm think excited. about this. Think about this. How much time? they must spend together that Hell, I mean yeah. I would hate anyone that I spent that much time with this must be true love that's right somebody that's someone awesome. once one of my friends once told me said the key to a uh, a great marriage is is space yeah <laughs> it's space a little wow. space I, from time I, to time you mean like rocket ships and planets mm-hmm. yes that's okay. exactly oh, what I mean. Space. Yeah, you get it now. You get yeah. it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Because yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's going on, buddy? Episode twenty-two. Uh, episode Emmett Smith. Mm-hmm. Well, I always think Emmett twenty-two. That's it. Do you? you? Know, if I'm in room I took 22, yours. Two. I think. I took yours. I think Emmett. You. That's a universal. But uh, Elgin Baylor. Yes, Larry Nance. Larry Nance. Larry Nance. I know Clyde Drexler. Was he his whole career? I know he was at Houston. Oh yeah, he was twenty-two. Yeah, he was twenty-two. Yeah, yeah. Danny Smith, um, Chiefs Pop Warner, all-time leading rusher, played on my Pop Warner team, or I played on Danny's Pop Warner team. Uh, Longtime friend of mine, also high school basketball teammate of mine. But Danny Smith, uh, number twenty-two. Props to oh, Danny yeah. Smith. Well, you know one. Danny Smith, right? Sure. You remember Danny. Danny Smith of the Pop, yes, Warner. Pop Warner League of the Chiefs. Yeah. Chiefs. Uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Well, I'm, Episode glad, Danny I'm Smith. glad to give him a, a shout out. We had a lot happen this, this week in the basketball. A yes, lot. We have. We, we haven't talked since the draft. 
How do you think that went, huh? Some surprises? Surprises. Uh, I was surprised that the the Warriors who picked, I don't know, I'm going to make this up. I'm, I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but like 6th and 14th. Yeah. They got two guys that, I mean, I... They got Moses Moody at, at 14, and I had him at like number seven or eight. Uh, and they got Jonathan Kuminga, uh, played in the G League last yeah. year, tore it up. They got him at, I don't know, six seven. or seven. Yeah, seven. and seven. And uh, so I think they're big winners. Um, I thought that the Hornets did a nice job. Um, I don't know. I. I you know, the first four or five uh, picks kind of went uh, the way I thought they would. I was my favorite player in the whole draft might might be Scotty Barnes. And he went fourth to Toronto Florida when State? everybody Florida State played right. for Leonard Hamilton. Think, think Ron Artest with a um, um, a mature mind at that age, right. uh, very put together mentally, seven foot plus wingspan, un uncommonly long. Um, the NBA, he's uncommonly long. Uncommonly long. Long. He's uncommonly long for right. the NBA. He's a sort of a point forward. the The knock on him is that he's. His offensive game hasn't – he doesn't shoot it really well, but he doesn't really take many shots uh, from the perimeter. The knock on him is his offense, but the fact that he went fourth should tell you all you need to know. I mean, yeah. they had – they could have drafted Jalen Suggs, who was sitting right there knowing Kyle Lowry's about to leave. Right. They, right. Went, they, they went with what Masai Ujiri normally does, and he's got them ranked. And he had every, figured everything out and – said, look, if the first three picks go boom, 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 we take Scotty Barnes. And they did. And that's really what I love. And I love Jalen Suggs as well. Um, but over the years, I found that the best presidents, the best GMs of, of uh, teams are guys who aren't just worried about keeping their job. Wow. Yeah. That are, funny. that are, that know they know what they know in basketball. That's why they're in the position they're in and going with, you know, obviously go with everything you're hear all the information from your scouts and from everyone else. But ultimately that decision comes down to you. And Masai has, you know, made it clear over the years, he'll make the hard decisions mm -hmm. and not the popular ones necessary. And that's why they won a championship a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, I like Scotty Barnes. A, a lot. And also I like Evan Mobley a lot. I would have probably taken Evan Mobley number one. No um, way. Really? Over, yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I had Kate Cunningham fourth and I know that, um, wow. I, I know. And, and I like Kate Cunningham. And when I say that I want to love the number one pick, I want to love my number one pick overall. Mm -hmm. I think Kate and I'm pulling for him. I, I have questions about his mentality Will he take over games? Um, he's talented. He's big. He's skilled. He doesn't – you can't really knock him. The only thing that I would say is that uh, he's not 
he doesn't have that extra burst of juice and athleticism. His body's not not necessarily a live body. And I so I have I have questions there. But I, I love him. He's terrific. Speaking of the draft, and then I was going to ask about your sons, but that leads us right into free agency. And yeah. it just newly reported that Chris Paul signed back on with the Suns for a four-year, $120 million deal. The guy's 36 years old. That, that's a that's a, that's a lot. Uh, the Suns seem to know what they're doing. What do you think? As a Suns supporter, I love it. I love that they didn't let Chris go off and play somewhere. Look, you're going to have to overpay him a little bit, of course. Um, but I don't. if he's healthy, I don't know if you are overpaying him. And if he's, you know, if he's still got his legs enough, I don't know that you are overpaying him. I appreciate what – Well, again, that's two years away. If you're going to pay him two years, uh, you see what they did this – I know – pay him three. And if you, you know, I don't know, I haven't seen the details on the, on the deal explicitly to, to know if there's, you know, guarantees in there that have to be met or if there's a partial guarantee of one of the years, I have no idea. We know what's being reported at this, at this stage. So I'm sure we'll flesh out a lot of these details in further uh, over the next few days, but either way, what I appreciate is that for, James Jones, I saw him say this the other day. Uh, someone sent it to me because they were kind of getting on the Suns, I think. It was some pundit had said, you know, they didn't like that the Suns didn't do anything on draft day. Well, they had the 29th pick, and what the Suns decided to do was trade Javon Carter, who wasn't playing for them. They had campaign had come in and kind of taken his minutes for Landry Shamit in Brooklyn, who, you know, was kind of shuffled out of the rotation because they have so many great players in Brooklyn. Landry yeah. Shamit can really play. He's better than anybody you're going to get at number 29 in this draft. He can really very skilled. And uh, I read what James said about that when, you know, it was brought to his attention that, you know, there were people questioning their draft day. And he said, look, out of all, all of the decisions that have been made here in the past over the last you know, decade or so have been made out of uh, impatience. And, you know, we have we know that we have a team that is prepared to win right now. And we've got to be strategic about the guys that we go out and get throwing a rookie, just a, an undraft or a, a rookie onto a any old rookie onto a team that's ready to win is kind of a it's kind of haphazard, I think, thinking in doing so because you're just hoping that he's that good, that he's going to take right. over the take over the place of one of your rotation players. But I like well, it. And then I noticed also that they they signed campaign, and that's huge because uh, also go Murray State, Kentucky campaign. Uh, it's huge because sitting at those finals games, the Suns had a a really good uh, balance. With Chris Paul, they play, you know, more in a more deliberate way. He's one of the best point guards of all time. And so you trust his decision making. And he's a more, more methodical player at this, especially at this stage of his career. Walk it up some, get you into your stuff, do all that. When campaign comes in, it's a completely different team. He's so fast and just beep, beep, 
comes at you up and down. So it's really hard to kind of prepare for that contrast in player. So I was, I was glad to see they resigned campaign. Well, in, in, in news, it's moving super quick. I don't know if that the deal is fully done yet, but it's already been reported and sounds like it's going to happen. They've got uh, JaVale McGee going to Phoenix for a one year, $5 million deal. What do you I think, think that, he can add to him? I think it's terrific. Um, look, DeAndre Ayton has come so far, so fast. There's one area where he can really improve, and that, as a, that is as a shot blocker. And you can say all you want about JaVale. I, I, I laugh thinking about all the people who made fun of JaVale, JaVale McGee for so long. He was the butt of so many jokes. He was a lottery pick, and he was in Washington and wasn't, you know, wasn't playing when he played. He made some bonehead plays as a young player. Look, we're, he's a decade later or more now. And he's a valued player. He's won championships on good he's teams. On the Olympic team. I know he's on the Olympic team now. So to get a guy like JaVale McGee, who is a legitimate shot blocker and a rim runner and does mm-hmm. what he does, a veteran guy, I think that's a huge get for the Phoenix Suns, given that Dario Saric is out for the season with that torn ACL. I think that's a great get for Phoenix. Well, then the big, the real big news, of course, of the draft, the trade, the, the uh, Westbrook to the West Coast and the Lakers to join. That's a big three. That's a, what do you think about that? Do you think that's a good chemistry match? I've uh, listened to a lot of people over the last few days and was we were on air the other night when it broke. I love it. And the reason I love it, um, I, LeBron James, arguably, you know, one of the greatest players ever, if not the greatest. Um, he's at a different stage of his career. And I'm, when I say that, I'm not saying he's declined. Uh, I'm saying he's at a different stage of his career. Um, you know, people are like, well, Russ needs the ball. LeBron needs the ball. And AD, need, okay, well, LeBron led the league in assists. So I'm not worried about him needing the ball. Um, uh, Russell Westbrook. I remember seeing him for the first time in high school in LA. Mm-hmm. And I just went, Oh my God, this guy's freaky. He's different. And went to see him play the next year. I had just gotten finished playing, I think my early two thousands probably. And um, I went to see him play the next year at UCLA. Wasn't starting, came off the bench freshman. I'd gone to see, see some, uh, uh, it was, they, they were really good. Uh, Josh Ship and UCLA had a really good team. And then he came out at the end of the year, and I was like, oh, you draft this guy if you can get him. He didn't shoot it very well, but he was electric, just startling athleticism, right? He's from L.A. He's played his whole career in OKC, most of his career, OKC and Washington. Played a couple years in, in Houston. I get it. But he's going home, Showtime, L.A., his body, the last 20, 25 games of last year, he started getting his legs back, uh, his knees looked good. If he's energized and can, you know, play it, because he was but he was getting triple doubles again late in the season this year. If he can play like that, 
what it does, I think, for LeBron, it, it, it really takes a lot of the load off of him because there's, there's now another really good rebounding guard. Everything is going to boil down to if whether Anthony Davis is great again. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. and when I say that he's a Kentucky guy, you know, we love him to death. Um, when, when, when AD, I saw last year, you know, and it's a condensed season coming straight from the bubble. They want it, not much time off. And he was nicked up all year long. Um, he, when he's in shape and going well, AD makes first, second efforts, third efforts, fourth efforts around the ball, constantly jumping and moving, moving defensively. When he's not quite right, he settles on that jump shot. And it's kind of, if it goes in, great. But, or he'll make, you know, his one move and go to finish. But then that he doesn't really have, didn't really all season have that second effort kind of game or stamina, in my opinion. If he gets back to being himself, then, I mean, it's a no brainer. Uh, But I I like Russ going there. Um, You know, Russ is not the greatest decision maker in the world as a point guard doesn't have to be now LeBron James is one of the greatest decision makers of all time yeah that's great that's great point and insight I got a little story because I just remembered it while you were talking the uh, 2012-2013 season uh around the time we met right Uh yeah we went to that game we won the national championship that year but there was a lockout in the NBA and for some reason uh, Oklahoma City came and worked out at UK. Yeah. And so during the summer, there was a lot, they played pickup with that team. The Anthony Davis was on that team. And of course, this is the time when Harden, Durant and Westbrook were all in Oklahoma city. Yeah. So I was lucky enough somehow to be in that gym and <laughs> watch these games. And it was, it was amazing. And I remember the first time Russ walked in, he was in the, you know, with best facilities Kentucky has for basketball, you know, top notch. But he walked in in the Joe Craft Center. He goes, shit, I should have gone to Kentucky. (laughs) I was like, he didn't say it to anyone. He didn't say it, I just heard it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But he was so, with all that talent, but seeing him live, it it was weird. It was like, It, when he went to the to get water at the fountain, it looked weird. Like he's just like so cat-like. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, uh, Kentucky won one game and kicked him off the court. Oh, you know what, Josh? Uh, one team I really want to talk about right now that I, I was wondering how this was going to go down, but now that it's gone down this way, it makes perfect sense. I've been really wondering what's going to happen with Duncan Robinson in Miami. Um, this is a young player. He was a division three player starting out his career in college and then transferred, went to Michigan, killed it at Michigan. Uh, I'm going to make this up undrafted or second round player. Miami went to Miami and they have turned him into an unbelievable NBA three point basketball player. Uh, he, he's, he's become a defender uh, no, nah, I should no. I can't say that. He's become an adequate enough defender mm-hmm. to stay on the floor for his extraordinary offensive basketball skills. Uh, he's become a better passer. 
I was concerned. They had Tyler Hero, our guy, Tyler Hero. They have him there. And I was hoping they wouldn't let uh, um, this young man get away. And so they re-signed him. And now Duncan, Duncan, Duncan Robinson. Robinson. They re-signed Duncan Robinson. Oh, I'm going to make this up, but I think like $90 million. Uh, um, paid him a bunch of money or $80 million maybe. No, I think 90, five years, 90 million. That's right. Um, I'm excited for that young man, but I'm excited for the heat. I think they, uh, I think we've heard they've re-signed Jimmy Butler or agreed to a huge deal with Jimmy Butler. Um, and that Kyle Lowry is going to end up down there. I personally, I'm not a huge Kyle Lowry guy. I, 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 I say that. I'm a huge Kyle Lowry guy as far as his character and the things he does. And he's a, he's about winning. His game is a little different for my taste. However, if he's got juice in the tank, going down to Miami is really good for a guy uh, who's looking to win, who is a high character guy, because you get down there and you, you're going to work. And, you know, Kyle at times has a tent. Uh, propensity to get a little heavy, fleshy at times. He won't do that down in Miami. And, um, you know, I, I anticipate, you know, that's a really, that's a big upgrade they made today. I mean, uh, getting Kyle down there, re-signing Duncan Robinson, uh, and then the commitment from Jimmy, you got Bam there. That's a really solid NBA Don't you team. think that that made the writing on the wall for, for our boy Tyler Hero there? Like, they might move uh, I think that it's perfect motivation. I think that uh, Tyler had a terrific rookie year that ended in the bubble. I think that, you know, coming out of the bubble, going into his second year, uh, teams were very prepared for what he does. And they tried to take away some of those things. And then he had some injuries, as young players do. You know, Tyler, his, his rookie year grew an inch in the NBA. He was still growing. So, he, wow, yeah. Yeah. And so he's, uh, um, I, you know, he had a, I think it would be, wouldn't be genuine to say he had a, had a good follow-up sophomore campaign. He was, it was, uh, it, it was shaky. So mm -hmm. he should be super motivated to come back this year. And also knowing that, that Duncan is there and, you know, taking minutes, it, it's, it should light a fire under him. And I think it will. Tyler's a terrific player, but again, you know, look, everybody's out for your job in the NBA, whether they're on your team or not. And uh, the thing I do know is that the Miami heat value what Tyler does. That's why they drafted him. He, he can do a little bit of everything. Um, I'm a, I'm a huge Tyler fan, but he'll have to bounce back in year three with better effort. Well, what else you got? Well, what else intrigues you? Uh, you know, I, I was – I pull for the Pelicans due to Dave Griffin, a longtime friend, um, and I thought they would re-sign Lonzo Ball. Mm -hmm. uh, Lonzo is somebody, you know, came over in the Anthony Davis trade, and when he came out of school, not a good shooter, shot was broken, funky. Mm -hmm. um, he's worked at it. He's, he's changed his shot. 
Mm-hmm. He made over 40% from three, which I That's think amazing. I did, which I think I did only once. And I was supposed to be a three point shooter. Right. Uh, and took a lot of them, took a lot of them. We already know he passes. I mean, his, his feel for the game is unreal. And I mm-hmm. thought, you know, you know, I think pairing Zion with a terrific lob passer mm-hmm. is, you know, something that, you know, uh, we had Antonio McDice back in the day with Phoenix and Jason yeah. Kidd, who was one of the great lob passers of all time. Right. But when you take that off a team, um, that you take away a, a, a key advantage. Now he's going to play with Zach Levine, who loves to catch lobs. And why do you think uh, they 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 did that? I, hope, do you think I think they. Pro- I think they 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 have. They're either going to make another trade because getting Thomas Sanaransky back and Garrett Temple back and a second, um, that's not gonna. That I don't know. Obviously, they they're keeping the space for something. And uh, I think there's more to come with the Pelicans because you're not. I know also, I think probably some of the consideration should be given that Zion is kind of a point forward. And, and so I need to cut Griff and the Pelicans a little slack there. Who would you like to, to what style? Well, who would be really good to play with Zion? Man, I, I don't even know the answer to that question, especially of the guys that are available. But I do think it has to be somebody that's, um, you know, kind of a different player. And when I when I say that, I think kind of a utility player. And when I say utility player, I think Drew Holiday, who they had there. <laughs> so, so maybe yeah. it's not Drew Holiday. I don't know. I'm a, Zion is such a weird player, and I think that the thing that stumps me most about Zion is that I love Brandon Ingram. I love Brandon Ingram. Me too. But last year they were not great together. Their games didn't seem to complement them. Now, maybe some of that was, uh, you know, part of the, just the makeup of the team with Lonzo as a point guard. Maybe they're thinking alleviating alleviating that may open it up some so that those two play a little better together. I would have to think that they have, you know, their sights set on some kind of point guard combo uh, guard in in the next few days. I like, I I mean, I don't know who would suit this bill, but uh, I'd like to see a real stretch five there. Somebody that they cannot, you know, they can't leave and open up the lane a little bit. You know, yeah, that would be, yeah, that would be that nice. would be nice. Speaking of fives, uh, I saw today that uh, Jared Allen, and t- which tells you how crazy the league is. Jared Allen signed a hundred million dollar deal, and J- Jared is a center. He's not a mm-hmm. he doesn't shoot it. He's relentless on boards. Brooklyn, you know, gave him up. Uh, you know, t- when they were trying to assemble this team. Uh, up there in New York. And I was like, man, I love that guy. Obviously, you know, they needed to create more space to take on James Harden and, and that squad, but he went to Cleveland and did everything he was doing in Brooklyn. I'm really excited that they've rewarded a big man in this league because he's not, he's not a pick and pop guy. He's never going to be that, Mm -hmm. Uh, but he's relentless. Also he's durable. 
he stays healthy. Um, I, I'm really excited for Cleveland, I think. And excited because, you know, Brooklyn kind of, you know, gave him away. And now he's a young player on a really young team with a $100 million contract. That's got to make <laughs> you feel good. Yeah, yeah. One would imagine, speaking of Brooklyn, what I know what your answer is going to be, but I'd like to hear you talk about it. Who's got the better big three, Lakers or the Nets? I've got to say Phoenix. Oh, were they not part of the, the <laughs> no. oh, were they not? No, Booker, no, Booker, no. Booker, Booker, Aiton and, uh, and uh, Chris Paul don't do it for you. No, no, I'm not going to, that'll be the next question. But. Okay. Well, all right. Uh, whoo, that, that's good. That's a good question. I, Thanks. I'm going to go, you're welcome. I'm going to go with uh, Brooklyn from an age standpoint. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But you know what? Is that really right? I, I think mean, that, I don't think that's technically right at all. Chris is older than LeBron. Right? Or vice versa. That we have to think about it should tell us right. everything. Right. Devin. He is 36 and I think LeBron's 34. What's the difference between Devin and AD? Four uh, years, three years, three, four years? Uh, might, yeah. yeah okay, I might be a little then, more than that because Devin was the youngest player in the NBA for two seasons. So yeah. he was really. Yeah. You know, and then he's only, only 20. Yeah, he's probably only 22. Yeah, he <laughs> might only be 22. Yeah, exactly uh, yeah so they're older. Aiden and, and Russ. Yeah. Oh, Chris Paul. I, or is Chris Paul. Only, he's six months older than LeBron. Okay, six months older so, than LeBron. So there, there's – yeah, I don't know. I, I went there. I wasn't – I don't know why I was comparing them to Phoenix. I need to be comparing them to Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, uh, James – James, not young anymore. KD, not young anymore. I think that that's the thing. <sighs> Kyrie, 20, 28, 27, 28. When you start getting hammies, hamstring injuries, groin injuries, these are not things that – they're just not things that guys under 25, 24, six get mm -hmm. you start getting them the older you get when your body doesn't respond like it used to um we saw ad crippled with them this year right. soft tissue injuries we saw kd crippled with them we saw james crippled with them now before we chalk it up to you know age and all that we need to acknowledge that these guys have been playing nonstop. They went to the bubble short time off, came right. back. Their bodies didn't have time to re respond and rest like it, they've been used to doing every year since they were eight years old. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. You know, so this is the first time they basically played year round um, with no break, not even because they do in, you know, they play in the Olympics sometime, but right. then they lop another season onto it. So, Anyway, um, yeah. So you're saying you never definitive answer. Uh, so I think Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah, I think that they're. <sighs> it's a tough question. It's I tough. Get it. yeah. It's tough. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? I think that uh, you should uh, just. 
give a definitive answer and I should just ask questions. All right, it's That's Brooklyn. I think. Okay, it's all Brooklyn. right. <laughs> That's who I would probably say to, and the reason would be the age thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. ultimately, I think they can stay healthier than the Lakers, but it's all happenstance, who knows? But in general, I mean, certainly AD isn't, he's been suspect. He's been a little, very injury prone, I yeah. would say. So uh, I would have to go with Brooklyn, but it would be so fun to see those teams meet in the finals. Yeah. A healthy, Two. both healthy, that would be amazing. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Two couple feel-good signings. One today that I love, 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 love is he's one of my favorite guys to watch play is TJ McConnell. Um, mm. He went to Arizona and then he finished up at Villanova or vice versa, Villanova, Arizona. Um, and then he signed today, re-signed with the Pacers for $35 million for four years, not drafted, uh, just a guy that you want on your team every single day. And the guy's going to make $7 million, $8 million a year. I just love that. And, you know, he's just a great character guy. And then one of our guys who made a big mistake a few years ago uh, when he was in uh, Philadelphia as a young player, and he turned down some guaranteed extension money. And I'm talking about Nerlens Noel. Mm -hmm. And Nerlens uh, today signed a three-year, $32 million deal. And, you know, yes, in NBA parlance, that might not sound like a, a lot of money. <laughs> That's $10 million a year. Yeah, it sounds like and, money to me. But it, it's beyond that, it's $32 million. And he, he, he went a long way today toward making up um, right. what I'm sure he would admit was a young, you know, sort of bonehead decision. He went and had a career year in the media market capital of the world, uh, right. New York City. Fans fell in love with him, and I'm, I'm thrilled for Nerlens today. Yeah, me too. So oh, let's, God. Uh, let's uh, get to our Olympian. Want to? Yeah, you want to? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm excited I'm, I'm, to talk I'm, to her. I'm fired up. Yeah, now, she how said do you know, she's got to go. How, pretty how did quick. this come about? Uh, she does. Yeah, yeah. She uh, okay. All she right. has to catch a plane, so this is not going to be as long as usual. So we got to in and out. We got to be in and out. We got to be on our game, Let's, Rex. We got to do it. Got to be cat-like, like Lee Kiefer with the quickness, yeah. right? Yes, yes. Let's get to Lee Kiefer. Let's do it. Thank you for doing this. I'm Rex Chapman, and this is Josh Hopkins. Hey. Nice to meet you guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for coming. I mean – Gold medal winner right here from Olympic Village speaking to us. This is, <laughs> is so cool. This is insane. It's Are you so getting... cool. Thank so, you so uh, much for your time. I know you're getting inundated, so thanks for joining us. Yes, and, and I'm sure you're getting ready to get – I think you're getting ready to get out of town, right? You're leaving the village? Yes, yeah. Going home after 
little over two weeks. It's been a, a great trip. Oh my so goodness. We, Lee, we so speed this up, right? Yeah, we do. We're going to, you got to go. And that's hmm? what I heard. We got to speed this up because you got to go. So we will do our best to get out, get you out of here in the next couple hours. <laughs> so Lee, you grew up in Ohio and, uh, but you moved to Lexington, Kentucky, where I am right now and where Josh is from born and raised at a very young age. Uh, what was that like for you? Oh, I, I love Lexington. Um, the people are so kind and so sweet. And I can say that because like I've traveled a lot for fencing and like nothing feels as good as being home in the bluegrass. Um, yeah. So I've been to school most of my life in Kentucky and I went to Notre Dame for a few years and now I'm back at UK in med school. That's great. Uh, First of all, thank you for making America proud, making Kentucky proud, making Lexington proud, and making the Lexington School proud. I, I am uh, <laughs> alumni of the Lexington School, so that is awesome. Also, I was uh, chosen, um, voted best athlete in 1986, so we're all three really decorated athletes, which is cool. I, that's cool. So I get what it was like for you a little bit to stand there. No, speaking of that, uh, well, the question everybody obviously wants to know is what's your affinity for and why do you send out like X-rated nudie postcards to all your friends from around the world? <laughs> all right, Jane Brady, the person who, who is the source. Um, postcards have been my thing since before time well it started out because I was like 12 years old and I had no money and so that was the best kind of souvenir then I just kind of got like obsessed with it when I traveled and it was like the only way to maintain friendships when I was never home was just to like send a note here and there be like hello I still exist remember me <laughs> well that's that's really really cool yeah I, I sat down uh well I called Chris Johnson uh, uh your teacher at the Lexington school he's an old buddy of mine he put me in touch with Jane and then she said, well, what time do you want to talk? It's I'm on central time. I said, I am too. And we found out we're both in Austin. So I had, we had lunch together and spoke all about oh, you. Today. Nice. So, so there you go. So, so horse poo says hi to you. Why is that? Your so all the her? secrets are out essentially. Yes. Yeah. Why do you call your friend horse poo? She doesn't even know. <laughs> she knows. She knows. Oh, she didn't want to tell. <laughs> All right, but before Rex takes over, because you guys are athletes, oh, I'm what's, it, what's it like to stand on the pedestal with a gold medal around your neck and they play the Star Spangled Banner? What's that feel like? Oh, my gosh. So I've been fencing for a long time. I've been on the circuit for, or I've been fencing 20 years on the circuit for over a decade. And for most of that time, I have just sat in the audience and listened to other people's anthems. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, it is my dream to one day to just climb my way to the top and just like hear our anthem and like sing and cry to it. And there we were, it felt so good. <laughs> I can only imagine. And then what's it like to be the best in the world at something? You know, right now you are the, billions of people and you are the best 
foil fencer in the entire world? What's that, what's it feel like? Oh, I, it still hasn't sunk in. <laughs> um, if you saw the video clip, I was like so shocked. I was like, oh my God, like yeah, what so happened? Nice. Where am I? And one of my favorite moments is like I finished fencing and then my coach just like runs into my arms and just starts sobbing. So like for me, I'm just like living vicariously through like everyone else's smiles and excitement, like my coach and my family, and my husband. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well, I know we know that your uh, your smile is brightening many people around not only America, but especially here in Kentucky, where you have where you where you have so many roots. It's been the nonstop talk for the last, you know, for for the last little while. Um, I I spent a little part of the day looking at uh, trying to figure out the different types of foil fencing. And could you explain really quickly well, the different three different types and then mm -hmm. why, why it's unusual, because I still don't really know that you're a, a smaller, shorter mm -hmm. uh, competitor and why that's not normally the case. Mm -hmm. So three types of weapon, there's saber, there's epee, there's foil. Saber is the one where you see the jacket that goes down their arms and is on their torso and also their face. And so you can slash and that's the only one you can slash. Epe is the one where they're all wearing white and they're bouncing a lot more, a lot more patience. And you can hit with the point anywhere on the whole body. And that's the only weapon where you can both score at the same time. Now, the best weapon, the weapon I fence. <laughs> I'm not biased. Uh, foil, and it has some elements of both of those. So like Epe, you can hit with the point. Um, like Saber, you have a vest, a shiny vest called a lame, which is the target area. And there's these kind of complicated rules called right of way, but essentially like if you're the aggressor or if you're taking initiative on the action and you both hit the person who is that, you know, aggressor kind of taking that point gets it. Um, so yeah, so that's what I fence. And so, yeah, that's a good question. Like you see other fencers and I'm definitely towards the more petite side. Um, I don't know. That's one of the cool things about fencing as a combat sport. I'm able to use my speed. Um, you know, at first you're like, okay, having big distance being tall is an advantage, but I can get really close to people too. And I'm sure I'm a really annoying target. <laughs> I promise as you're talking about this and Josh and I, this is a basketball podcast, but we, we talk about, um, you know, height and size and speed all of the time. And I played with a basketball teammate, Muggsy Bogues, and Muggsy was 5'3". And he had so many, because he was so fast and quick, he had so many advantages the rest of us didn't. And But we were taller and longer, longer reach, which I would imagine is, is very advantageous in your sport. Yes. But if you can get in there underneath and get in their space – before they yeah. even know it, I can only imagine you're you're a terror. Um, what has the last <laughs> what what has the last little while been like for you? I mean, since winning and being there at the Olympic Village, what has this experience been like? 
Oh man. Um, so it's still, like I said before, it just, I still don't feel like the metal when I hold it is mine, but I have like this sense of calm pride where I'm like, all of these like little things I've done over the course of years are like, you know, they, they <laughs> made it, I don't know, they were useful. Like I was able to work towards a goal by like making sure I went to all my lips, making sure I like ate my salads and like slept and like did all these things. I'm like, they paid off. Like, it's so cool to like work at something for so long and feel like you did the right things. So yeah, I feel calm, like calm smile. Do you have the metal? Do you have the metal there? Yeah, I want to see it. Yes, we do. Sure we do. Oh, this is so cool. This is so cool. Here it is. Oh my God. Yes. Look at that. USA. 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 Let's go. Fantastic. Oh, Lee, that's so cool. Oh, and you're, you're in the Olympic Village right now. Yeah, they have like a little um, media room inside of a team room. So I just kind of snuck in here. Very cool. Man. What, um, what, this is your third Olympics. Uh, what is the, everybody wants to know what's it like in the Olympic Village. And I'd like to know the difference this year from the other two mm-hmm. and how, how bad do you feel? I don't know for the Olympians that maybe this is their only Olympics and how much are they missing out? What, what's that like? Yeah, so village-wise, it's very similar. Um, You have all of the huge buildings with the different countries. Um, We still have like a a media mixed area where they have like a gift shop and like stores and a hair salon. There's a rec center where you can work out. I honestly feel like it's the same, except for when you go in the dining hall, there's like plexiglass everywhere and you're like in little cubicles kind of eating to try not to like breathe on each other while you talk and eat but I mean one of my best friends who's my roommate here like she kind of asked the same thing and I don't think the village is like any I don't think it took a hit because of the pandemic. I think the only thing that people are missing out are having like friends and family here. That's big though, right? That's so big, you know, and and fans and fans, you know, in the stands you've been to, that's gotta be very strange for all of you guys. Cause you're also showmen as well, right? Showmen and show women. Well, it's kind of funny. Okay basketball player fencing doesn't get the same audience i go to well, the and like oh. i'm cool having my coaches like the only one cheering me on so like to be honest like okay because I, I had less distractions and it was like more normal for me which is like Good. better for performance but like i wanted my family here because that's like part of the reason you try to work for the Olympics is to share it with everyone. <laughs> well, you're I have, from a fencing family, right? Yes. I mean, and then your husband just is, well, he's there with you because he's mm-hmm. an athlete. He also yep. is a fencer and got a bronze. Yep. Yep. That's amazing. Awesome. When are you going to have Olympian Olympic babies? <laughs> <laughs> 
The world needs them. <laughs> that yes, is definitely do. the question we need to think about. Like we started like as children, I wasn't even like in college and now I'm like closer to being like a mother. Like what the heck, oh. where's time gone? Lee, Lee, I've got a, I've got a question about right, right now. There's a lot of talk about mental health and uh, going going on uh it's a it's a discussion and topic you are notorious for how competitive you are from a very young age with your father uh learning to to fence um growing up and again this is your third olympics could can you share anything any moment in your life where you just like the pressure of everything was getting to you or you reacted a certain way uh, along the way, just due to your youth and kind of feeling like the, the weight of the world was on your shoulders? Oh, for sure. Um, so I'm in med school. I'm on like a little leave of absence to be here. But last year, I was trying Slacker. to do everything. I was like really trying to do everything. Um, and I did feel that weight of the world. I felt like I could do nothing right. And like, why am I even doing school? Why am I fencing? Like, I definitely got in some dark places and How did you I, deal I got with help. It? I got help. And like, I'm not like upset to tell people about that, but like being here and hearing people talk about their stories, like I can imagine more people than not are like, go through like crazy depression and anxiety at the Olympics and like, just like even pandemic aside, like without the pandemic, I'm sure like more than not people experience that. And like, yeah, I have too. And it was like really hard to ask for help. And I think I could have asked for help sooner. And so I feel like I just, yeah, I think a lot of people don't under like realize how many people like have similar stories and just like having family, having people you love, they will be there for you. And then there are so many like trained professionals and <laughs> yeah, yes. I'm for sure. <laughs> Lee, thank you. I wish I could come through. I know Josh does too. And just give you a big hug. I didn't me mean to make you cry this, this early in the morning. Oh, I, uh, I want to thank you. Well, good. Happy <laughs> tears then. I, I want to thank you for sharing that because um, it's going to, it's going to help a lot of people. It really is. And it, it really and truly is. And you need to know that. I know that you you have to get going. Uh, can't thank you enough, Josh. Uh, you got anything else? What's your favorite movie? Oh, my gosh. Um, probably The Princess Bride or Zorro. Something kind of with fencing okay. in it. Hey, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes nice. sense. Nice. Nice. If you could sit front row center for any performance, band, speaker, whatever, dead or alive. Who would it be? Um, let's see. Hmm. Well, I don't know. This isn't really a performance, but I'm really into Survivor right now. So if I, the show, so yeah. if I could be there running the courses, that would be the dream. Rather than watching oh, the course, I would like to <laughs> part of it. You would go do the Survivor course. <laughs> the Survivor show. Yes. That is yeah. amazing. Yeah, you would definitely win Survivor. That's oh. uh, Yeah. I think I would play have... too aggressive. I think they'd like, get her out of here instantly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe they'd see you as a threat and you'd be gone. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Lee, Lee, I can't thank you enough for joining us. We know you have to get running. Uh, Congratulations, we're so proud. And I know I speak for so many around here in Kentucky, but also here in America. Uh, thank you, you're just a beautiful soul. And we'd love to have you back when you have more time. Yes, thank you guys for having me. Can't wait to bring this guy back home to Kentucky to share. Yeah! USA, 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 USA. Bye, Lee. Thank you. Bye, nice meeting you guys. Nice, nice meeting you. you too. Wow, Josh, that that's amazing. What a great get. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for hooking that up. Oh, we got oh my God. Olympic gold medalist. Is that no, but it's not because we've had Stefan and Shaq. Oh, and yeah. Those guys. So, oh, but yeah, it's it's our first. First individual. It, and it's not even our first uh, female. We've got, we've had Candace Parker on. Yeah, well, you got me. Okay. But yeah. you're dumb. Is, I didn't realize you were this dumb. Gosh, you're uh, dumb. I'm that, uh, that's that's uncool. No, people. Uh, that that is. She is the only person, male or female, to ever win an individual gold medal in foil in the history of. The, and it's been in the Olympics since 1970. <laughs> Like, like 20. I know, man. Yeah, that, it's crazy. And then she shares with us. She shares just, uh, you know, bears her soul, man. I I, I really and truly, I didn't, I, I didn't know. You said, you know, you thought before the interview, you said one of her friends said, well, she's a crier. She might cry. Um, <laughs> that was, that was the only answer. thing that, that kept me. Question and answer. Well, it was the only thing that kept me from, I just wanted a ball because um, you can tell. And I, I remember being a young athlete. I know you'd remember Josh coming, you know, leaving auditions and stuff, different stuff. And when you're young, you're mm -hmm. 20 and leaving a practice or leaving whatever it was and just going, I'm, I have, I'm no good. I can't do this. And, you know, knowing that there's so many people that believe in you, um, and there's so many people you would be letting down if you stopped and quit in your mind as a young person, that's very hard to decipher. And I thought she said it really well. And you could tell, you know, without going into real specifics that she's had her, her times, because if you're competitive and, and you, you're willing to spend that time, it's like she said, you know, it's just all that the, all the time you put in, all the workouts, eating the salad, all of that stuff is paying off for her. The thing about it is, is that the flip side is that every, there are all those other Olympians that did it there, that did it that way too. And theirs is going to come up short because she was better. And that's, yeah. that's a hard thing to swallow, that's right? That's There's that's only that's one. Yeah. There's yeah. only one. To, to think of dedicating your life to this one thing that, I mean, she grew up her entire family fencing, fencing from a, you know, after she, soon she could walk, she had a little fake sword in her hand or whatever. And all the sacrifice, all the practice, all the traveling, all the letdowns, all the highs, all the lows, everything. And it culminates in a gold medal foil match. Can you imagine what that would 
feel no, like this I can't. in an individual sport. No one else is out there. And everything you've worked for, it, it comes up today at the Olympics. I mean, I can't I imagine that's real pressure. It's real pressure. And, uh, I mean, she, obviously she seemed, well, she seems to have it, uh, under control, but I know okay. that many of us can seem that way. She's, you know, married a doctor in, in, uh, medical school, her husband's in medical school. Again, another person we've had on Josh, thank you very much. That makes me feel like shit for doing yeah, nothing with my life. That we should, right? call, we should call Rex, it that Rex Chapman, Chapman show. Rex Chapman show. That makes you feel like shit about yourself with, with yeah. Josh Hopkins, who's also a big piece of shit. Yeah. That yeah. There that. that's, yeah. Oh, okay. It's a little long for the t-shirt, but you know what? I think that is a t-shirt. Yeah. But I think, you know, most people, <laughs> it's definitely something someone would think would look at and think it might be interesting. You know, she was saying that at Josh and I, I don't know that I've ever, I was thinking about this just the other day when I was, uh, I was swimming and I've never mentioned this. I don't think to a person, but I was in college and you were in high school when I was in college here at, at university of Kentucky. And I, I was, you know, from the outside looking in, I'm sure it, it seemed, you know, I was playing well kind of as a freshman and, and I was pretty good as a freshman, I guess, looking back at the time that Bo, there were eight, nine, 10 games my freshman season where I was terrible, where I just sucked. And I, I mean, I left the game that night wondering, you know, I can't play. I don't know if I can play here. I don't know if I can play anywhere, but I know people from the outside didn't maybe think that I was putting a lot of pressure on myself just to play well. And one morning I woke up, this was like in the middle of December and I woke up and uh, like I Reggie, my roommate, got me up to go and and we had to go to breakfast check down the hill and go in and check in. And I got I went to stand up and I said, Reggie, something's wrong with me. I don't I don't feel right. And I I was like, I couldn't move. And I felt like I needed to go to the hospital. We called the coaches and they didn't want to take me to the hospital. Um, I ended up going to a friend's house here in town and stayed for a couple days. This is in the middle of the season. I didn't practice. And when I look back, when I look back, I had what, what I've since had probably a half dozen times in my life over 50 years, but I had a panic attack and I didn't, I, I, I understood kind of what the pressures were of playing at Kentucky and, I got here and, it, you know, but everyone was loving, but then there was the pressure of doing it time after time, after time, after time, after time. And I was 18 yeah. and, you know, that was nothing. They didn't want to take me to the hospital <laughs> because people would find out a, yeah. and then wonder what's wrong with him. Yeah. And so, you know, today they probably would, I hope they would, you know, to have a mental health professional come over, talk to this young man. Yeah. Um, you know, I had family around in Lexington, which was good. But, right. you know, so many people don't. And Lee talking about that today, I think, is just going to help people and more people opening up about times that they've not been their best and, um, you know, not wanting to be judged just, you know, solely on those times, I think, is is important. Well, that's that's, you know. We've been friends for a long time. I've never heard that story. I know we've talked about yeah. mental health. We both battled with 
depression and, and me mental yeah. health issues. That's one of the things we bonded on. Um, so I've never heard that story. And I can't imagine, like, back then, this, the stigma uh, that it's yeah. been some lifted some now, but the stigma then also like the, the verbiage of um, panic attack wasn't even in the lexicon of the community. Right. Maybe it was in the doctors and, and psychiatrists. Maybe that was, but I don't think that was term was known. No one knew what a panic attack yeah. was. They, would, they, they were like, what do you yeah, do? Yeah, straighten up. Yeah, yeah. Get, get over yourself. I, that's what. But I remember uh, uh, vividly sitting on the edge of the bed and feeling like I just wanted. I wanted to have my arms around myself. I didn't want to. I didn't. I felt just really ill at ease, and so much so where I was like, I think I need to go to the hospital. And they came over and got me and took me. I, I, I spent a couple of days just in the middle of the season, just at at this family uh, place here in town, nobody ever knew about it. And then I got over it and was fine. I mean, was fine. I got past it and was fine, right. fine. but it was debil It was debilitating looking back. And that's maybe it wasn't a panic attack, but I think it probably was. I just yeah. was overwhelmed with, you know, a bunch of, you know, what I felt like was pressure at a, at a young age. So right. I appreciate her sharing. Um, yeah, me too. It's important. It's important. Well, this has been a lot, a lot of fun this last five yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah right. Great. Yeah. yeah, that's what you come here for. Yeah. That's what you come here for. Josh, have you read any books this week? Uh, we, we do book club. club. We, we do book club up. once a week. And uh, yeah, have you read anything this week? Not this week. No, I didn't. You? The Olympics have been on, so no. I mean, of course not. Uh, All right, no. that's been book club. That's that's been book club. Thanks for... Well, another person that makes us feel like shit. This is, thanks for tuning in to the Rex Chapman Show that makes you feel like shit about yourself with Josh Hopkins, who's a piece of shit. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Please, <laughs> please subscribe, rate, and review to the Rex Chapman Show that makes you feel like shit with Josh Hopkins, who's a piece of shit. Right? Great. Yeah, That's I it. love that. Sweet yeah. Friend. Come back next week for episode 23 episode 23 powered by basketball <laughs> i do it every time powered by basketballnews.com <laughs>